I'm going to be reading from verses 1 through 17 out of Psalm 37. It's the Psalm of David. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous." This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Thank you, everyone. Good morning. My name is Dodds. I'm one of the pastors here. Very good to be with you uh, this morning. Today, the church celebrates the ascension of our Lord Jesus, and we call today Ascension Sunday. As Adam said, we were set to look at Acts 26 this morning, but on Wednesday, um, just kept getting the sense that we needed to talk about something different today. And so, uh, Paul and I had a chance to, to talk, and we thought that maybe in light of all that's taken place over the last month, the Lord might be asking us to preach on something else. And so, we're going to trust Him this morning as we look at Psalm 37. I do hope that it's good for us, that it's good for our world, and that it's glorifying to God. It has been a significant month. We have seen the suffering of Asian American churchgoers in Southern California, black men and women at a grocery store in Buffalo, Hispanic and white children, teachers and parents in West Texas. We've seen real evil. We've also witnessed an investigation that has uncovered years of sin and evil and abuse within the Southern Baptist Convention and her leaders, dear brothers and sisters of ours. News feeds and social media scrolls are just full of extended reports and reactions and retellings of all of these people and all these events. New details emerge daily and we're constantly sort of provoked, maybe with more anger, more questions. And one of the wealthiest people in the world purchases Twitter and we begin to wonder as a people who we can trust more, billionaires or politicians. Legislation, regulation, mental health, 
paternal and maternal responsibility in the home, high levels of accountability, all attempts at addressing evil in our world. And the majority response to all of this has, has just been outrage. Outrage is the language that our world is being taught to speak. And we're becoming quite fluent, especially over the last few years. But this also creates a longing in all of us, a longing for trustworthy voices, a longing for trustworthy responses, trustworthy action. I had a, <clears throat> I had a teacher tell me at the beginning of COVID, he said, over the course of this crisis, however long it lasts, we're going to find out which voices we can trust because crisis always reveals. It always reveals. Some voices will stand the test of this crisis, others will crumble. So really this morning we're asking this question, what do we do? What do we do when evil seems to go unaddressed and when evildoers only appear to prosper? As, as God's people, how should we live amidst the evil we see and whose voice can we trust in the midst of such a crisis? And that's why we've turned to Psalm 37 this morning. Written by, <clears throat> pardon me, written by King David, this psalm could be seen as a reflection upon the truth found in the Beatitudes from the Gospel of Matthew, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is a, a universal truth that God communicates over and over in his word. It is not the powerful. It is not the willful that will inherit. It is the humble who will receive God's inheritance. Let's read again verse one. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. David repeats these very words in seven verses seven and eight as well. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. So David's, David's opening words are a fundamental note on which his psalm is built. Fret not yourself. And it's important to know what he means here because fret not sounds sort of unconcerned or unconcerning. But the word here for fret is actually the word for an intense burning. David knows how people will respond to evil when it appears in the world. When we as the church see evil thriving in the world, when we see evildoers growing in their influence, when we see them succeeding in their endeavors, enacting evil towards others, we are going to be tempted, David says, we're going to be tempted to burn. And at least in this Psalm, David says, it's going to be in two ways. First, according to verse one, we will be tempted to burn with jealousy and envy. The righteous person can fall into the trap of being so disheartened, so frustrated by the success of the wicked that he almost wishes he were in their position. 
I'm sure it's happened to every one of us at some point. It can seem as though holiness is not as lucrative as wickedness. We see evil men and women doing well, and we wish that we were them, or we at least wish that we had their level of success. That's one way that we can burn. Secondly, we could burn with anger and vengeance. We see people who carry out evil devices and they don't appear to receive any of the consequences. From wicked leaders, governors, kings, to wicked citizens who harm and kill, we can be tempted to think that they are dodging justice and that God does not see or care and our hearts and consciences are just seared with hot anger. And David says that this, we can burn to such an extent, to such a degree, that we begin to produce our own evil. We begin to respond to evil with evil. As James says, we can get to the point where we covet so much that we, that we murder. We want so badly and we don't have, and so we murder so that we can get what we want. We can become so enraged that anger and vengeance become our goal. But David doesn't just leave us here. He doesn't just leave us there. Look at verses one, two, and eight again. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. God is telling us in the face of successful evil people and their seemingly scot-free living, God is telling us, hold your ground. Hold your ground. He promises us that the end of the wicked, end of wickedness, will come. It will come. See, the commandment not to fret is not left on its own. We are not told to we're not, David is not asking us to just be cool about evil because it's no big deal. No, God encourages us that the reason that we don't have to burn against evil with jealousy and vengeance is because he's going to see to the passing away of the wicked and all of their works. He's going to see to it. He promises to do it. Proverbs 24 says it like this. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. That is a promise from our Father. He will put an end to evil, and that is good news. The more consumed with evildoers that we become, the more discouraged and disheartened we can, we can be. With such discouragement, our lives can be lived in constant comparisons or vendettas that will always frustrate and distract us from the truth. Rather than being consumed and distracted by such things, David encourages us to devote ourselves 
to three alternate courses of action. First, David tells us to think in terms of the long-term picture. Look at verse 10. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, where he sees that his day is coming. So rather, this is what David is telling us, rather than focusing on the present and only what we can see, we need to recognize and trust that wicked, the wicked will pass away and that the faithful will be vindicated. When we fret, when we burn with anger or jealousy, the scope of our vision narrows to such a degree that we can only see what's right in front of us. We, come, we become completely consumed with what's right in front of us and we can't see anything else. We can't see the whole picture. We can't see the whole story. And that view can consume us as we lose sight of what God promises to do in time. We must know that the immediate present is, is actually a distorted view of how things will work out. Because in the end to which we are looking, many who are currently exalted will be brought low. And many who are low will be exalted. So it is premature, David says, to judge the blessedness of the wicked and the righteous now, today. A time will come when a sharp differentiation will be made between them. So however people However people or evil seem to be doing now, the righteous will one day inherit the land while the wicked will be wiped off of it. You think about Psalm 1. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. And no sign of the wicked having been there will remain. God will take care of of all of it. According to God's intention, it is the meek, the very people that we think have no chance of coming out on top of the struggle of history. These are the people who will be the ones who will inherit the land and they will enjoy great peace within it. Great peace within it. So the first thing that David tells us is to think in terms of the long-term picture we have to think of what God is promising. Second, David encourages us to focus our attention on the Lord instead of the wicked. He says it this way, trust in the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord, he says. It's God's promises that we must depend upon and look to as we seek to trust him. He's promised to vindicate the righteous, to vindicate the meek, who rather than fretting, are committing themselves and their manner of life to him. Now David's words here are not simply be obedient, just be obedient, but, it, but it's so much more precious and charged. 
in the face of evil prospering, be obedient. In the, in the face of it not working out the way you thought, be obedient. Commit your reputation and your way of living to the Lord even as you see evildoers seemingly undealt with. Delight yourself in the Lord. How do we delight ourselves in the Lord? How do you trust him? How do you commit your way to him? We do it by dwelling on his goodness rather than dwelling on the apparent success of evil. We dwell on the goodness of God. There's so many ways to do this. But just think, think. We open up his word. You open up his word with the people in your parish and you allow others to administer his goodness to you. You pray with each other and you see that the Lord hears you. You confess sin together and you see that the Lord forgives you. It's finding the precious and wonderful things about your king that you love and doting upon them, doting upon him. I mean, think, think of your favorite person and you can't say Jesus. Think of your favorite person. What do you love about them? If you think for a moment of the really precious friendships that you have, think about what you love about that person. As we're dwelling on that, we find that we're dwelling on the goodness of a friend. We do the very same thing with the Lord. We think about the things that we love and are precious to us and we dwell upon them, we think on them, we sit on them, we share them. This is truly, the more we do this, the less appealing and unstoppable the lot of the wicked will appear. That's what David's telling us. This is a matter of unburdening ourselves of the worry, the anxiety, the tensions that will build up within us when we are preoccupied with the wicked. We must trust that the Lord laughs at the wicked because he knows their doom is fixed and they cannot avoid their inevitable reckoning. He's actually going, as we read, he's actually gonna turn all of their efforts against them. They're going to reach out with the sword and find that their own sword is actually going back into their own heart. But as they draw back the bow, to aim at someone else, it's actually gonna be aimed right back at them. So what do we do? Number three, the third thing that David encourages us to do is to be proactive in our behavior and our living. In verse three and four, he says this, do good, dwell in the land, and befriend faithfulness. So in the face of evil, God's people are called to live hospitable, generous, rooted lives, and to make faithfulness our food. The word befriend here is, is literally the word eat. So we, we are truly sheep of his pasture if our food is faithfulness. He says, dwell here, do good, and make 
faithfulness, your, your diet, your regular intake. Rather than fretting and living by anger or envy, David encourages us to be still before the Lord, to wait patiently for him. This is not inactive waiting. This isn't like waiting on a bus. This is like waiting on the Lord who's made promises, looking to the Lord and trusting him because he's made promises and he fulfills his promises. We don't need to take up an actual sword to fight for anyone's vindication, including our own, or for our final prospering. We can, we can be unburdened, giving that to the Lord as we wait upon him, knowing that he will deal with evil. He will bring it to its end. It's no coincidence that when the Spirit filled the church at Pentecost, that the resulting action was the disciples devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They proactively devoted themselves. They proactively broke bread together. They proactively shared their goods. They proactively sold property to meet the needs of everyone else. They knew from God's word that Pentecost invited necessitated costly generosity. The Spirit filled the church and they worshiped with one mind, Luke says. The Spirit unites hearts to one another through human actions and physical things. We are actually united to one another in our service to one another and others through shared words, shared bread, food, shared goods, shared lives, shared hearts, shared experiences. This is actually our doing good together. And all of our doing good, all of our justice efforts are spirit-led. But it does mean that we must be, that we're called to be, in the face of evil, we are called to be proactive in doing good. And the way we fight evil in the world is by doing justice to our neighbor. So do you want to make faithfulness? Do we want to make faithfulness our food? Go next door and love your neighbor. What do they need? What does your next door neighbor need? Do you know? A friend? Encouragement? Community? Joy? Kindness? They need actual physical help. They need someone to listen to them, someone to eat with them, someone to pray for them, someone to be interested in their life. We fight against what happened in Uvalde by knowing the needs of the person in the house next to ours and doing justice to them. And really, this, this leads me into a last suggestion when it comes to our proactivity. What are the things that we can do? There's so much that we can do. Now, this particular suggestion is something probably very new to us. I think it's quite important, though, when it comes to addressing evil in our world. The Psalms have at least 40 songs that call for God to do something about evil in the world. They're called imprecatory psalms. I know maybe some of you are familiar with them, maybe you're not, but really imprecatory psalms are psalms that call God to judge evil in the world, 
to not just be the God of the shield, but to be the God of the spear that goes out to fight against evil. And I know that asking God to to take a few lines from some of these psalms, I know that asking God to break the teeth of the wicked or to crush the heads of other serpent nations may sound (laughs) sub-Christian or at least mean-spirited. But when we pray for justice, we're only asking God to be who he already is, a king and a judge. And consider this, in the book of Revelation, the voice of the martyrs cries out from under the altar, saying, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So really, in the face of evil, in the existence of evil, in what we've seen over the past month, in what we've seen over the past couple of years, it's part of our mission as the church to ask for the end of evil. These psalms arouse a hunger and thirst for justice in us as we take up the prayers of the helpless as if they were our own. They expand the scope of our prayers. And praying such psalms is truly, it's it's a form of church discipline as we ask Jesus to uproot false teachers and predators even within our own church. Through these prayers, we defend the house and kingdom of God and participate in the Lord's work of establishing justice, vindicating the innocent, defending the helpless. And as we sing these psalms, Satan is trampled under our feet. I put a few on this slide just for you to take a look at it, maybe take note of one or two Maybe pick a few of these and this week or in the coming weeks, take some time to pray through a few of these verses, especially those verses that ask for God to do something, to intervene and to not let evil have the day. Ask God to bring an end to those who exploit others for physical or financial gain. Ask him to give justice to those who have lost their children in Uvalde or their family in Buffalo or their friends in Southern California or their church family. They're part of the SBC. Ask them to to put down whatever remains, even of the rebel inside you. Because all of us in this room still struggle to completely submit to the Lord. And we can even ask him, Lord, put, put whatever remains of the rebel down in me. And truly, seeing that it's Ascension Sunday, we should know that the reason that we can pray such prayers, the reason that we can ask such things is because Jesus is our ascended king. It's on the basis of Jesus' enthronement at the right hand of the Father that we as God's image bearers can work in the world to dethrone evil rulers, to join him in the work of what he's doing in dethroning evil rulers because he is our great ruler. See, the ascension, 
The ascension defines the church. It defines the people of God as a people of glory and power, not of timidity and shame. We know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning from his heavenly throne. And after receiving the kingdom from the Father, he is now preserving, progressing, and perfecting his kingdom. Jesus did judge evil on the cross. He judged it. It stands condemned. It's only a matter of time before it's completely wiped out. And he continues to conquer it even today. And so as he is a conquering king who is bringing more and more under his feet, as our voices join for him to do so, the body agrees with its head. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, God is bringing all things under subjection to him through the work of Christ by the Spirit. Though it doesn't look as though everything is in subjection to him, as Paul writes in Hebrews, it is. That is what God is doing in his kingdom expansion and the church, us, his, his new Eve, is joining him in that work. So sojourn. There's plenty of good work for us to do in the face of the last month. Let us not burn in envy or wrath against seemingly successful evil. Let us trust that the promise that God makes that in a little while he will blow away the wicked like chaff. He will bring wickedness to an end. And let us commit our lives to delight in the Lord and to let us, let us do good. Let us dwell in the land. Let us be a rooted people and feed on faithfulness as we ask God to bring justice to the hurt, to the helpless, and for the Lord to put down evil wherever it arises. Let's pray. Holy and gracious Father, we thank you we thank you for your promise, Lord, that though the world does not look like it should, it doesn't look as though Jesus is ruling and reigning all the time, we trust your word that says that in a little while we will look where evil existed and it will be gone. We know that in the life, death, resurrection, the cross and resurrection and ascension of Christ, Lord, evil has been judged, and it's only a matter of time. But Lord, we still groan, and we still ache, and we still mourn. Would you make us a people who do, who mourn, Lord, with our, Lord, with our, our, our fellow Texans who mourn, with brothers and sisters in Southern California who mourn with those in Buffalo, and yet at the same time that we would cry out, oh Lord, Lord, don't let evil win the day today. Lord, break the teeth of the wicked. Crush the head of the enemy wherever he comes. Lord, we pray that you'd make us these kinds of people, that we trust you, we see that, Lord, that we we would fight the, the burning of jealousy and of wrathful, vengeful anger. 
that we would be satiated by your promises and that we would be people who do good, who dwell in the land. God, we need you. We look to you. We trust you. We ask all of these things in your name. Amen.